Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blind Spot Show, where leaders lead leaders. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Victor Romero, CEO of CDA, who is joining us from California. So, Victor, welcome to the show. Thank you, Birgit. Pleasure to be here, and thank you for having me. And thank you for doing this. What a remarkable thing you're doing for this very small group, people called CEOs, those who dare to be a CEO. I think it's a small community and what a service you're providing to all of us. So thank you. Well, thank you. And I'll say what a service you're providing today because you have quite a story and you started your first company before you even finished college and you grew it so fast. Then of course, like most leaders, when we first get started, you had some challenges and then decided, you know, maybe I need to go back to school and get my college degree and maybe that'll help me. And I'm sure it did help you. But in the end, you've started four companies, you've sold one, at one point you had 72 employees and yeah. you learned some hard lessons. So thank you for still being part of that CEO I'm... club, despite all your challenges. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm still alive. How about that? <laughs> yes, you are. And you know, the other thing that's remarkable too, is again, you, I know you sold one company, you had to shut, you know, or close two companies, but you never filed bankruptcy. You grew too fast for, for the team that you had in place and the situations that were happening, but you've never sued and you've never been sued. And, you know, here you are in your fourth one and, and you're doing very, very well. So that's great that you're, as you say, you're here to tell the story because we both know, I think now the statistics are within three years, nine out of 10 companies fail and you keep getting up and going. And so today, clearly you have some things that work really well and why you keep going and succeeding. But well, what was one of your blind spots, if you will, in terms of your struggles to make it to where you now are with your fourth company? Yeah, I think my biggest blind spot is finance. And a financial planning is very important to any concern because it does in fact require planning and strategy. I'm very, very strong at planning and strategizing to sell my service and to earn income. But uh, there's a very important step before you start selling and before you start earning, you need to make sure that your, your vehicle is going to have enough fuel to get you there. And if you don't have major investors, you know, investing millions in what you're doing, then you have to be even 10 times more careful. In my case, I started my companies uh, with a shoe on a shoestring, as they say. And when you don't have a lot of money to begin with, you got to somehow make something out of nothing or stretch $1 into $20. And if you're not carefully planning that $1 that you do have, then it doesn't matter if you're, if you're filling your pipeline with a million dollars. If you don't have enough capital to sustain yourself so that that million dollars can come in, then you're going to be in trouble. So someone needs to really analyze that part of the business. And from our conversation, I recall you saying, you know, you had good people around you, but the one thing which is a lot of CEOs struggle with, you know, you had a good bookkeeper, you had some some good accountants, but in the past you didn't really look and see, hey, should I get a, a CFO or should I get a person who can actually advise me more strategically on how fast I should grow or could grow or should I go get investors? So is that accurate? That is very accurate, very accurate. And thanks to 
my talks with you, that kind of turned on a light bulb with me. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I think that's what I need right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm so glad that, that I spoke to you because my fourth company, which I'm now getting off the ground, just July 1st, uh, it's still in its infancy. And I, what timeliness to, to implement that now, I haven't bitten off more than I can chew just yet. Yes, you're currently at 10 people. So before you get to 72 again, <laughs> yes, yes, you now know some key team members that are needed, especially on the finance side. But again, impressive how you keep getting up and you keep doing it. So tell me how this current crisis has impacted you and what recommendations do you have for other CEOs? Yeah, first of all, my heart goes out to all the, the people that have the type of business that's really impeded by what's going on, i.e. restaurant owners or any type of business that's like that, that has direct contact with clients. My heart goes out to them because I know they're they're struggling very much. I'm I feel very blessed because my business is considered essential. I'm in the insurance industry, so that that must keep going. And the challenges I've had, I guess, is just kind of personal in in that I just have to reduce the amount of physical contact I have with clients and with employees. So we're taking the the measures of wearing masks when necessary. Things like technology, like Zoom. Mm -hmm. I don't know any Zoom stock, darn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, boy, technology is really coming in handy. Look, you're way out in Texas, and I'm way over here in California. And, and miracle of technology, we're able to have a conversation, which then you're going to take the miracle to the next level, and then other people are going to listen to it. Yes. But yeah, technology has been a blessing for my business, and I see how other businesses are using technology also to not let this COVID situation kill them. Yeah, clearly we all have to adjust with technology and you've figured out how to implement that quickly. And then the other thing from a previous conversation I recall with you is an interesting quote that you shared with me that I think would be interesting to, to also oh. show. <laughs> oh yeah, this, this goes out to all the people that are considering being a CEO. It's not a, something to be taken lightly. Uh, in Spanish, we say, el que tiene tienda que la atienda y si no mejor que la venda, which means if you own a store, you better tend to it. Otherwise, you should sell it. Yes. Um, so yeah, you got to really mind your business and uh, stay on top of it and uh, really focus. Focus is very important. Whatever mm -hmm. you put your attention on will expand and whatever you don't put your attention on may wither. So you really have to nourish your business and that takes time and focus uh, dedication. Yes, that, that's what I have to say to people who are not CEOs, but are maybe considering it. Or for those who, who are CEOs that are not paying too much attention to their business, uh, maybe should start paying attention or <laughs> consider selling your business. Well, listen, I think that's a very wise point because right now with one crisis after the other, it's easy to get distracted as a leader. Do you have a particular daily routine or a habit that you practice to keep yourself focused? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I practice mindfulness, which mm -hmm. is another way of saying that I, I'll meditate. Uh, sometimes I'll engage in morning meditation, it was just quiet time, close my eyes and try to be silent. And then sometimes that that will carry in to the rest of my day, just a, like an inner stillness. We're in a world of chaos. And if you don't have that inner order going, then you're going to get sucked into the chaos. And, and then that chaos will spread into your business. And then <laughs> you're not serving anybody. You have to have an inner strength and believe in God. And I I don't know, I, I find a lot of solace there and a lot of 
of strength. Yes. So, so yeah, cl- cling on to something. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And is your belief in God and your ability to, or your interest in serving the way you do, is that the reason why you haven't sued or been sued or declared mm-hmm. bankruptcy? What's I refrain from suing due to more of a business decision. I've always thought that the only people who win in lawsuits are attorneys. It's more of a financial decision. I'd rather lose $30,000 to someone who's not paying me than than to pursue them legally. Um, actually, I, I actually, let me, I misspoke. I didn't sue this lady, uh, but uh, I did take her to what's called arbitration. Mm-hmm. And long story short, she owed me $90,000 and she didn't want to pay me. And so I took her to this arbitration. And not only did she get to keep my 90000 I had to pay an additional 50000 in punitive damages. So, Ouch. So, yeah, so I didn't quite sue, but I guess it's kind of like suing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured I was going to be safe. I figured uh, this is not suing. I'm, we're just going to arbitration. <laughs> wow. So Ooh, what boy. was the le- what happened there that, that she got the money? Oh, so I built a house for her and uh, the last monies were $90,000. And she decided that she didn't want to pay it. And she then sub- turned me into the contractor's board and they summons me. I went over, I showed them my file and they they said everything was in order. I did not do it. I did not wrong her. Then she, I, I then said, see, I didn't do anything wrong. So please pay me. And she still said, no, I'm still not going to pay you. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Uh, I said, well, you're forcing my hand. We're going to have, my contract says I can, we can go to arbitration. We went and, oh, before we went, I learned that she had hired an attorney so I thought I better play it safe. I, maybe I'll get an attorney. And the attorney she got was a lady who specialized in family law and immigration. Mm. And I thought, and I went out and got construction contract attorney. I figured, oh, this is a slam dunk. Not only did I not wrong her, I did, I built a beautiful house, and I got an attorney that knows about what the issue is. Well, boy, was I wrong. This lady rolled up her sleeves. This attorney lady rolled up her sleeves and mopped the floor with my attorney. Oh wow! <laughs> and uh, long story short, she she made me out to be the big bad wolf, and and she was very clever, and and yeah, she she met met her objective of winning. So that that was as close as I've ever gotten to suing anybody. Yeah, and then no one has sued you except for this odd turn of events. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm the one that initiated the arbitration, and I'm the one that lost. Wow. Uh, so what it, would you recommend to other people? <laughs> wow, that's a tough one, because clearly this lady really took advantage of the situation. And I, I hate sounding like a victim, but she, she really came out ahead on this. And I, I guess the only the only thing I could say to people uh, regarding that is to write tighter contracts, to not allow someone to hold so much money at the end of a job. If you're in the construction business, mm-hmm. uh, make tighter draws. My draws were 90, 90, and 90. So that's only three draws of 90,000. Uh, you should divide it up into 10 draws of 27 times 10. And so then we're back the, to the finances. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you got you got to limit your exposure for sure. Yes. Wow. Uh, so now you play with the uh, fire so to speak. Uh, so you got out of the construction business and now you're in the fire damage industry. Yeah, and it's it's all the same. It's it's the last 30 years everything I've done has been fire related. So as a contractor I I, I repaired homes that burned down mm. and now I went back to my my first what I first did in this industry which is 
represent people who suffer property damage with their claim. So I'm licensed by the Department of Insurance and I'm able to analyze people's claim, assess the damage properly. And then uh, insurance companies, most of the time, there's still money in the policy that insurance companies are not paying because homeowners do not know how to claim. Yeah. So so, you're good at getting other people their money. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I heard that on average, you can get someone $100,000. Pretty much. Yes. We've, we've, that's about the average. We've gotten people as, as much as $400,000 of new money on top of what their insurance company had already given them. And it's all done without litigation. It's just simple claiming. You just document the claim properly, submit it, negotiate, and then you are able to settle with the insurance company. Very good. So as we start to wrap up the show, you're in California. What are you working on now? There's so many crises. I think you're currently in the middle of one fire related, right? I am. I'm working near Paradise, California. It's a fire that happened almost two years ago. And yeah, insurance companies are still not done paying people over here. And therefore, I'm still working. I'll probably continue working here for another year. So yeah, it takes that long for insurance companies to pay properly. And by the way, I, I hope I'm not bad-mouthing insurance companies. Contrary, if it weren't for them, who would pay for all this devastation? So I, I respect insurance companies. And the, the most misunderstood word in, in my industry is the word claim. And homeowners, just because they have a claim number, they think they've already submitted a claim when in fact they have not claimed anything. So mm. if they're not actively documenting and, and submitting act- creating an actual claim, then they're allowing the insurance company to claim on their behalf, which is not a smart thing to do. You need to uh, submit your own claim. And if you don't know how, hire me. <laughs> I, was say, I, can, I continue to learn and, and you've got a great team supporting you so they can go to cda.claims. Very good. And I will put this in the link as well. But Victor, thank you so much for being willing to come on today and play open book, so to speak, about mm. all your successes and your struggles. Mm, exactly, Birgit. And I, I want to thank you. I th- Once again, what you're doing is amazing. This is going to serve a lot of people, not necessarily my content, but I've had the pleasure of listening to, to the other CEOs you've interviewed and my, I've learned quite a bit myself. So thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you, listeners, for continuing to lead during these times of crisis when your leadership is critical and you're likely to get critically judged. Mm -hmm. So with gratitude, I wrap up today's CEO Blindspot Show.